Are you ready for the Word of God this morning? Oh, I'm so excited. This has been an interesting week. This has been a very interesting week because it's been a very good week, Ken, because I got to go on vacation. And I got to go on vacation with my family, and I got to go to, on vacation with my wife because he that finds a wife finds a good thing, right? So, and, and I got to see this, and it was amazing. Do you know why? Because we were at this place that's right on the, on the bay. The wind is blowing on the porch, and it is the most peaceful thing in the world. But then you pull your cell phone out, and you go through social media, and it's almost like a storm just smacks you on the side of the face watching social media. Because you don't know what to believe or what to hear or what to do because everybody has an opinion. And oh, believe me, not everybody just has an opinion. Their opinion is correct, 100% correct. And don't you question them because now, Ken, we are experts on arguing on social media on whether what type of fabric of mask you should wear. Believe me, I never knew how to do it before, but they had a PhD, I guess, on making masks, and everybody on the Internet took it, right? And that's the day we live in. Everybody wants to fight and argue. And I've been getting messages. Pastor Chris, what do we do about this? Pastor Chris, what should we think about this? Hey, Pastor Chris, how should we handle this? And so many people are asking, Jill, how do we do this? How do we go about this? And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that there is not one perfect answer on how you should do everything from social distancing to not social distance. There is not one perfect answer. And if someone says they have the perfect answer, they're foolish because everybody changes their answer each week. Right? So where do we stand? I'm so glad you asked. I really appreciate you asking me this morning because I want to show you the basis on which we stand. If you had to ask one of the foundations of my life, of life scriptures, I'm going to give it to you this morning. I'm going to give you one of the secrets of who I am. I'm going to give you one of the secrets of how I operate. If you want to know DNA of Pastor Chris, I'm going to show it to you this morning. So if you've got your Bible or you've got a cell phone with the Bible on it, give me a honk this morning because you're going to need it. Hey, so let's start here, okay? The first place we have to start is Mark chapter 12. Everybody go to Mark chapter 12. Let's go together. Mark chapter 12. Hey, how y'all's AC feel? Does it feel good? Send, send some my way. You're like, no, we don't know about it. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Let's start it. Because this is the foundation on which we stand on, right? So this is where we're starting. Then one of the scribes came, verses 28, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Which is the greatest commandment? We know there's a bunch of commandments, but what is the greatest commandment? Verse 29, Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. This is the first commandment. Anybody have a question about that? 
I, I don't think there's any disagreement. Jesus says the first and greatest commandment is love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with everything in you. Awesome. No disagreements. Let's keep reading. Verse 31. And the second, like it, hold on. So he actually said this is on the same level. Like it. Because you can't have number one if you're not going to follow number two. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Do you know the dangerous part about these scriptures? Is because we teach these to our children, so we equate them with children's scriptures and rob them of their power because we think that they're only things that we tell our children. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. He wasn't saying that as a Sunday school scripture. He was saying, if you love God with everything in you, and you love your neighbor as yourself, you don't have to be scared of all the other commandments, because you will follow those commandments. But what we've done is, little Johnny, treat your neighbor as yourself, when he was talking to full-grown adults when he was saying this. So if we understand the foundation of we stand on, love God and love people. Amen? Now, this is when we're going to get into the fun stuff. Are you ready to get into the fun stuff? I'm ready to get into the fun stuff. Go to 1 Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. This is like DNA of Pastor Chris right here. This is how I was taught. This is how uh, Pastor Lane, Pastor Pamela taught me. This is how I was raised. Whoo, this is going to be fun. Now, this is written, the Church of Corinth, by Paul. Paul is ministering to them. Now, let's follow real fast. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Now, concerning things offered idols. Now, if you want to know what... You, you've, got to, you've got to understand at what time this was written. Idol worship and, and idol sacrifice was still hugely prominent at this time. It, at this time, in this era... If you wanted to be fertile, follow me, if you wanted to be fertile, you went to the temple of the goddess of fertility. Are you ready for this? And if a woman wanted to be fertile, she would declothe, crawl on her hands and knees from the back of the temple to the front of the temple, and there was a goddess of fertility that would baptize you in breast milk. That they would soak the fire. That's how they thought they would be fertile. So imagine if you were coming to church this morning and you drove by a bunch of temples that they were offering sacrifices to other gods. And then you came here. And a lot of these people got saved. Anybody remember that you had to unlearn some old ways you were living once you got saved? Some of you baptized your liver to the god of uh, alcohol and fun time. Some of you baptized. Some of you, 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 you baptized your mind in marijuana to the God of yourself, and and, and you had to unlearn those mindset, those mindsets. Some of you, 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 bat, you, you sacrificed your faith as he ought to know. Paul is sitting there talking to very wise people, saying, "Come here, all of you people of great knowledge. Come here. Guess what? You don't think you don't know what you think you know." 
The amount of knowledge you think you have is not even a, a, a minuscule of what you need. You don't know half of what you know. And you must be careful with that knowledge because that knowledge will puff you up. You ever met somebody that felt like they knew a lot and they walked around and talked like their wisdom and their knowledge was greater than everybody else's? You ever felt like somebody you saw someone that knew everything and, and you couldn't even talk to them? You couldn't even bring in a word because they always wanted to teach you. They always wanted to tell you. Knowledge puffs up. But love edifies. Follow me. Verse 3. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Now follow me. Eating food. Because here's what they were doing. Let me give you a little background. The temples of the pagans, they were sacrificing animals. And people were eating the food. And they were like, how could you eat food sacrificed to pagan gods? That's evil arguing over eating food offered to idols. They were all doing, Paul comes in and says, come here, kids, let me talk to you. Let, let's, let's sit on top of Paul's lap. Let's talk. Because you know what happened? I could just see it. You know how he says knowledge puffs up but love edifies? You ever had somebody that was like, hey, tell them. Hey, go ahead and tell them. Hey, go ahead and tell them, Paul. Tell them that that food's evil. How about you go ahead and tell them, Paul? Ooh, Paul going to get you. You know what that looks like? I'm going to find everybody on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram that agrees with my opinion and says, ooh, this is right. Ooh, this is true. See, so-and-so said it. See, so-and-so said it. And all of a sudden, we're sitting in a big circle puffing up our chest of who knows more. And it's causing division. And the world will waste this season that they have been gifted by God. And we will waste this season when the world is saying, I need the truth. And we're arguing with each other based on which way we should handle this whole thing. Should you protest? Should you not protest? Should you say this phrase? Should you not say this phrase? And we are arguing with each other and we're missing the point. So he says... Listen here. I'm going to give you a little point. Eating food is essentially an ethically neutral act. But not all people have the same level of knowledge. Some new converts were uncertain of the power of their former idols. Others knew that those idols had no power over them. Knowledge has two defects. Knowledge is a good thing. I'm not saying knowledge is bad. Knowledge has power, but knowledge also has defects. It tends to center on self, and it is inadequate as the bond in personal relationships with each other. You have to be careful because knowledge will begin to build you up and make you think you know more than you should, and it will cause you many times to have friction. You cannot build a relationship simply on knowledge. You cannot build a relationship simply on the facts that you know. Now, follow me. I've got two points for you. You ready? Jordan, are you ready? I know you are. That beard looks amazing this morning, sir. Number one. The oblig I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. The obligations of love are the determining factor 
on things that are of moral insignificance. The obligations of love are the determining factors. So guess what? The first commandment was love the Lord your God. Second commandment was to love your neighbor as yourself. When it comes to whether you should wear a mask or not, or social distance or not, or do all of these things or not, it's not even necessarily based on science that I'm here to talk to you about. I'm here to talk to you about are, are your actions based on the love for your neighbor? Are your actions based on whether you love your neighbor and whether you love those around you? I'm not worried about what, how many facts that you can quote on whether we should be inside or outside. I want to know whether you love people. I want to know if you love the body. I'm willing to know if you're willing to set aside the facts you think you know in order for people to feel the love of Jesus. I want to know. Oh, sorry. Two. The principle of love places limitations on one's liberty of conscience. Ooh, listen. The principle of love places limitations on one's liberty of conscience. I'm going under- to make sure you understand this. Some of you understand it's no problem at all. Mm, hallelujah. This argument can be talked about drinking in church. This argument can be talked about whether you're allowed to wear jeans in church. This argument could be attached to every single thing. And some of us go, man, I'm past that. I understand. I, I, I know that one drink is not getting me drunk and there was wine served. And, and I get that. And you may understand that. But do you know that if you drink in front of a, 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 in front of a weaker believer, you can cause them to stumble because they don't have that same revelation? Do you understand that I sat in a youth room and I asked my whole youth group, and I'm not sitting here telling you if you have one drink, you're going to hell. You won't find that in the Bible. But I am showing you that if we sit there and we just live a life not caring because of the knowledge we think we have, and we don't act out of submitting in love to our neighbor, then we've missed the very fabric that Jesus walked by. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. Therefore, concerning eating things offered to idols, Paul is laying it out. You ready? We know that an idol is nothing in the world, and there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, demonic activity, things like that, whether in heaven or in earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom all things, and we are for him, the one, the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through whom we, uh, whom we live. Verse 7. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some, with consciousness of the idol, until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak, is defiled. But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are the worse. But So what he's saying is this. We know it's just food. But if you think it's about food, you're missing it. If you think it's literally about food, you're missing it. Don't miss your brother for the fact you want to eat a steak that was offered. And you may know, oh, it's just idols. To them it's not. 
To you, it may just be one glass of wine in public. To someone else, it may be, hey, I've got to be careful because I may lead them to stumble and to stray. So we've got to be careful on how high and mighty we're living in front of people when he says everything must be submitted under the law of loving other people. Everything, all of your rights, all of your liberties, all of your freedoms are submitted to loving God and loving people. Yeah, you may know that eating food to idols is no problem. But in verse 9 it says, but beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. Some of you may be at so much faith, you could go lick doorknobs in the city and you don't think you'll get corona. But not everybody's there, so don't expect them to walk at the same level of love and faith that you're walking. You need to love them at the level that they're at. You need to love people at the, at the level that they're at. You may be an expert at cooking steaks, and you're like, man, listen, that's the best food you can go get. It's free. It don't cost much. It's already cut up. It's fresh. It's good. Your new believer next to you goes, but man, that's wrong. Oh, man, let me argue and tell you 15 points of why you should eat it. The Bible doesn't say that. It says submit yourself to your brother that doesn't see it that way so that they would find Christ. Woo! Read with me. Do you notice how the pressure is not on the one with less knowledge or even less faith, yet the one with more? I'm not talking to just my young Christians in here. I'm talking about my, my, my mature believers. Be careful with the weight that you carry. Be careful with the authority that you carry. Because you may cause others to stumble in your many knowledge. And you may not be operating out of love, but you may be operating out of arrogance. I must be careful that I don't operate out of arrogance of the level of faith that I walk and make other people think they're not walking by faith because they don't walk in Walmart without a mask. We must be careful. Verse 10. Mm. Ooh, can we go here real fast? But Pastor Lane, I'm a red-blooded American, and nobody's going to make me do nothing because that mask is the mark of the beast. If you think the mask is the mark of the beast, you haven't read what Revelations really looks like. Let me be very clear. A mask has not stopped me preaching the gospel one bit. I'll preach to you at 16 feet. I'll preach to you at 6 feet. I'll preach to you at 6,000 feet. I'll preach to you at any differences. I'm going to do it. The moment you take away on my ability to preach the gospel, then we'll have a talk about running away and doing things. But until that day, be careful that we're op making people operate out of fear and the message of Jesus is not being preached because we care about six inches of fabric on our face. We gotta love people. We gotta love people because the kingdom of God is active right now. God is doing great things, and some of us are missing it while being social warriors for mask justice. Jesus, I'm spitting all over. Jesus. Hmm. Verse 10. For if anyone sees you have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience... Ooh, this is good. 
Will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat such things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? Do we realize what we just read? Because the Bible says that there, you can take something that's not sinful, but in your heart you think it's wrong, and yet you still do it. It's a sin because it's defiance in your heart. And if I cause somebody out of my great knowledge to, to go against something God has told them not to do, I'm responsible for them missing it. Be careful with the decisions that you make in front of people because it's preaching as loud as I do with a mic. Be cautious. Mm. But when... You thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience. You sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I don't know if many people have read this next part of this verse. Ready? I will never eat meat again, lest I make my brother stumble. Paul had such a revelation for the love of his brother, he was willing to give up T-bone steaks, filet mignons, all of the freedom and liberties he had so one would come to Christ. We might need to be more interested on who's going to heaven other than the maps, the distances, and the alcohol that we think we're allowed to have here on earth. That's more important. The souls of the nation and this nation and the world are a thousand times more important important than my American liberties I feel like that I am right to because I am a new creation I am part of a new kingdom that means I follow the king and he says lay down your life for your brother because you cannot say you love God if we don't love each other come on didn't know we were going to get this excited in a parking lot and you know what I love Paul could have just left it there but he goes on. Go to chapter 9 for me. Go to chapter 9 for me. Go to chapter 9, verse 19 for me. Verse 19, you ready? For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. Lou, is that pretty clear? For though I am free of all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I become as a Jew, that I might win Jews. And to those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those that are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under the law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I become as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partakers of it with you. So if you want to know some of my DNA, here's it. 
Instead of going out and trying to convince everybody by the liberties that you live by, how about we switch it and look around and see who we can share the gospel with? So that means, you know what, Lou, if they wear a mask, I'm going to wear a mask. If they don't wear a mask, I'm not going to wear a mask. If, if, they go, if they social distance, I'm going to social distance. Because the gospel is so much more important than what we're doing socially right now. And we've got to be careful that we fight a battle and miss the kingdom. Kingdom. We've got to be careful that we fight for knowledge and miss love. Paul, I mean, Paul said, I become a servant of all and lay down every liberty to become who is around me so that I can preach the gospel to just one more. I was talking to somebody I, I, that I love very much this week. And I said, we might have to change the way that we see revival. Because we have a, a, an idea of revival that it's a tent top and everybody goes in, and I'm not saying that ain't going to happen. But do you know what revival could be? Revival can be a young man that's addicted to every different thing that gets freed, and his family name is broke off of the curse of sin for the rest of the generations after that. That could be revival. Revival could be a young marriage that is dealing with issues and problems and everybody in the church comes around them and says, nope, we're going to be an Aaron and her in your relationship and lift up your arms and make sure that you look like Jesus from years on for your great, great grandchildren. That could be revival. Revival can be going to a parking lot when you know we could easily be meeting in there and some of you are wondering why we're not. But you say, I will sacrifice my right to go inside and sit in a car so somebody driving by might just pull up to hear the gospel of Jesus. It's not about whether we're inside or not. It's not about whether we wear masks or not. It's about, is Jesus being made famous in this day? That's the point. That's the issue. That's the main thing. And if the subject is being talked about and Jesus' name is not being brought up, then we're missing it. We're missing it. We could literally have your favorite president be, be president for another 30 years and miss the kingdom of God. We could have everybody get every different liberty you think according to your voting standards and still miss the kingdom of God. Do you know why I say this? It's because my children need something real. My grandchildren need something real. My marriage needs something real. My friends need something real. And I don't want to be just the church that's arguing back and forth on whether we should do this or not, whether we should drink or not, whether we should have a mask or not, whether we should social distance or not. And what if we, instead of trying to out-knowledge each other, we try to out-serve each other? What if we try to out-love each other? What if we try to out-care each other? Oh, you brought two to Christ this week? No, you ain't playing me like that. I'm going to bring 15 to Christ this week. Oh, you saw one marriage healed? Oh, I'm going to go get two of them. Oh, you saw a man restored? Man, I'm going to go get three. But Pastor Chris, why are you wearing that? Because who I'm going to needs me to wear that because Jesus needs to be preached. So it's a lot less about what we wear. It's a lot less about what we eat. It's a lot less about the liberties we think we have. And it's so much more about the name of Jesus Christ being preached for generations and when you change it, and when you change it, and you switch it around, well, Pastor Chris, 
I just don't see how that could be faith. We shouldn't run from things. Hold on. Have you read your word? Because in John 10, Jesus is preaching the gospel to some people. And at the end, it says they tried to grab him and take him. And what did Jesus do? He fled. Well, that's not my Jesus, Jordan. My Jesus had a nine millimeter packed in his back weight basket just in case things got rowdy. Jesus fled. Does that mean he didn't have faith? No, he just knew there was more to be done and he needed to flee away from a season. And sometimes in our mindset, we get this American idea that Jesus wore red, white, and blue. The only color my Jesus wore was red, which was the color of his blood, so that people could be saved, sanctified, delivered, and set free. So that means if we got to wear masks, give me a mask. If we've got to social distance, let it happen. If we've got to meet in the parking lot for 30 years, but Jesus is made famous, the gospel is preached, and lives are changed, let it be, let it be, dear Jesus, let it be. Pastor Chris, are you saying you, have, you don't have faith? No, I'm realizing we're ministering to a city that doesn't operate by kingdom standards the way that we do. I know that we're ministering to a body that some of you may have the immune system of a horse, and you're great, but some people out here are interceding and praying because they've got other conditions. They're waiting for salvation, and they're waiting for healing in their body, and they're doing the best that they can out of the love of Jesus out of their heart, and I don't want them to feel like that they have no faith because they're operating the way that I do. I want them to say, wow, Pastor Chris, you mean that I... I can still do it. Yes, you can. But, but everybody makes me feel bad. Everybody makes it. Listen. The very beginning it said it. It said knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So my question to you is this. Are you going to edify the body this week? Are you going to go and be an ambassador and a disciple in the midst of the broken this week? Are you going to be an ambassador and a disciple on social media? And if you can't, turn it off for a while. Are you going to be an ambassador and a disciple for the world to see so that Jesus is made famous? So that means if you've got to be Jew, if you've got to be Greek, if you've got to go get around the lost, if you've got to go get around the religious, if you've got to go get around it, it doesn't matter what you've got to get around. Just make sure that you don't change who you are to make them feel better about themselves. But you change who you are to look like so that you can hear what I have. Let me make clear. I want to make sure this is clear. When I go around the world, I don't operate by the world's standards, but I don't sit there and think I'm high and mighty because I'm saved around them. No, I'm going to get around them and share the gospel. I'm going to get around my religious friends and show them freedom. I'm going to get around my lost friends and show them truth. I'm going to go get around my scared friends and show them faith. I'm going to go get around them and share the gospel. Because you know what can happen, Lou? If we operate by pride, Lou, it can be very lonely when we stand before the king. Because, Lou, when I go to heaven, I want to take as many people with me as I can. My house ain't going with me. Jill, that's a pretty car, but that car ain't going with you. This, this building is beautiful. It ain't going with us. These shoes are fire, but they ain't going with me.
This shirt whew, is wet and clean. It ain't going with me. Do you know what it is? Souls. That's our purpose. Well, Pastor Chris, what is my vision through this whole season? Souls. So what should I focus on when everybody has different wisdom? And, and what should we do when they come out with all these different guidelines? Souls. Love people. Love the broken. Share the gospel. Be about the work of Jesus. Become everything in order that one become. This is Paul who wrote this book. This is Paul who saw many miraculously saved. And he had the audacity to say this. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Is your vision to see some saved? Is your vision to see some set free? Is your vision some to meet Jesus? Because anything else, we're missing it. So let's not fight over what liberties we think we have. And how about we start to live in a sacrificial way that I'm willing to lay down every liberty I think I have so some can find the liberty in Christ. Amen? Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you, Father, that while the world is going crazy, your kingdom gets clearer. While the news gets hazy, your word just looks better and better. While everybody doesn't know what to do, Jesus, you gave us the words of life. I thank you that you give us a clear direction to walk. So, Father, we commit right now to, to have our lives as a sacrifice for many. Father, as for me as pastor of this house, I give my life as a sacrifice for many that we might save some. Father, whatever that means, whatever I've got to do, whatever I've got to lay aside, Father, let me have the faith it takes to say I would never eat meat again. Let me have the faith to lie aside every liberty I know I have so someone can find the liberty in Christ. I thank you, Father, that you've given us clear vision of how we should walk as a servant to all. Serving all. Laying. Father, teach me what it is to be a servant and love my wife. Teach me what it is to be a servant and love my children. Teach me what it is to be a servant and love my church. Teach me what it is to be a servant and love my city. Teach me what it is to be a servant and love the, the, the city and the world and the lost. Teach me what it is to be a servant and love the broken. Let me become all things so that we can see some saved. And Father, we repent if we've exalted knowledge above your purpose. We repent if we have, if we have judged other churches based on the level that they're walking out. Father, bless the churches that are inside and bless the churches that are out. Father, bless those that are, that, that are doing it without and doing it with. Bless them, Father. And teach me to love them, Father. Mm. So I want to tell you this before we go. 
so many people have been wondering how you act and how you do. Make sure everything goes through the lens of love. Make sure everything goes through the, the, the lens of serving. Make sure everything goes through the lens of sacrifice for others. Jesus did not come into the world to be served, yet to serve. So how much more are we called if our master has done the same? Mm. Father, we pray for that there are any sick among us right now. We pray for the people that are struggling with, with COVID and pneumonia and struggling with sicknesses right now, Father. We pray for those that are sick, and I just thank you. Your blood has never lost its power. Your blood has never lost its authority. So we claim healing right now in the name of Jesus over those in the, in, in the crowd that are dealing with cancer and those in the crowd that are dealing with sickness and those in the crowd that are dealing with anxiety and depression. We thank you for healing in the name of Jesus. Mm. Teach me to love the people, Father, that are broken around us. I pray for the marriages in this in this uh, parking lot right now. The Holy Spirit, you would come inside every vehicle and begin to heal up every marriage right now in the name of Jesus. We pray right now, Father, for Summer and Jeff, for godly direction in the season they're in right now, Father. Father, we pray right now, Father, for wisdom of this house that we walk out every day of this season with wisdom. We pray, Father, for our city that they would operate according to wisdom, Father. Let them have wisdom. Pray for wisdom in our nation. Father, I pray right now, Father, for Hillcrest. We lift up Living Waters. We lift up uh, Crossroads. We will lift up First Baptist. We lift up Faith Lutheran, Father. We lift up LifeGate, Father. We, we, we lift up every church that is in this area, Father, the ones that are missing. I pray, right, Father, that you would bring life to the ministers and you would bring life and joy inside the ministers, that they would have joy in the midst of the season. Father, I pray for unity in this city between the, between the body. We pray, Father, for everybody that is in a nursing home right now that is shut in. I pray for peace that passes understanding in their lives right now. I pray for the forgotten in our society that it's easy not to see them, so it's easy to forget. I pray for peace in their lives right now. I pray for the doctors and the nurses and the, and the, the frontline workers that are serving and putting their lives. I pray for their mental peace. I pray for Rebecca. I pray for Lori. I pray for these that are working in the medical field. That, Father, you would bring peace in their mind and joy in their heart. Father, we lift up every one of our children that are having to navigate this crazy season with an adolescent brain. I thank you, Father, that you would minister to those children to bring peace. And, Father, give us the wisdom of words that we need to say to our children. We bless you. We honor you. We glorify you. In the name of Jesus. Everybody give the Lord a honk this morning.